Big thank you to the students across Iowa advocating for its inclusion. A bill with strong bipartisan support would put a crisis number on a public school student's ID. I am incredibly pleased to see this piece of legislation and so look forward to seeing the support for it. From IPR News, this is the weekly legislative podcast, Under the Golden Dome. The bill passes in the House and comes to a Senate committee, but it's going to be amended. Which would change that wording of the supply of unused ID cards must be used before complying. The Senate passes a bill allowing the sale of raw milk. The producer may deliver raw milk to a consumer, but not at a place of business where food or food items are sold retail. And the Senate passes a bill requiring more paperwork for income eligibility for food assistance and Medicaid. Republicans suggest any savings it yields could result in lower taxes. Those are the policies that allow Iowans to invest in their communities, not public assistance programs. But with an income threshold below $50,000 for a family of four, Democrats say it doesn't incentivize recipients to seek a higher wage. This bill is an attack on everyday Iowans who are struggling to get by. This is Under the Golden Dome for the week ending March 31st, 2023. As the final weeks of the legislature approach, the chambers are passing many bills, like one that gives public school students a phone number to call for help. Republican Representative Ray Sorensen is the floor manager. This bill requires public schools to print on either or both sides of student ID cards the Your Life Iowa telephone and text numbers for grades 7 through 12, and they may issue for grades 5 and 6. Your Life Iowa is a 24-7 service from the Iowa Department of Health and Human Services for people who are in a crisis to call for help. There are many resources available at Your Life Iowa, which is available to all Iowans, including an app for your mobile devices. When you don't know who to turn to about a problem with alcohol, drugs, gambling, suicidal thoughts, or any mental health, Your Life Iowa is available with 24-7 free confidential support and will connect you to the proper resources simply dial 211. For me, if it could save even one life, maybe a kid looking for help for a lifeline, it's worth the small amount of ink to simply print it on student IDs. Student organizations have advocated for something like this for several years. Democratic Representative Timmy Brown Powers acknowledges student visitors who are in the chamber to see this bill pass. Um, I also want to thank, again, the students from Waterloo City Council that are up in the gallery um, that helped us and have educated us. And I think one of the things to remember um, is that this number on the back of that ID can help them with any crisis that they may be in, any mental health crisis that they may be in, any bullying that they may be experiencing. It is just a quick call that someone on the other line that can respond to them. The issue on this bill is the wording on the card. That's a big issue. Republican Representative Brad Sherman is a pastor. This bill does not indicate what else to print on the student ID other than the organization and the number, but Representative Sherman has some suggestions on what else a school could put on there. Uh, Hopefully the wording on this card will not include the word suicide. Maybe it would be really nice to have something on there like God loves you or that you're valuable. But... uh, but nonetheless, I'm going to vote yes on this bill, and I, and I think it can't be any harm in putting a number on a card. This bill passes in the House with four Republicans voting against. Uh, now, there is an amendment that I don't have um, ready at this time, but uh, it's planned for the floor. Republican Senator Jeff Taylor supports this bill during a Senate Education Committee. 
He says if this comes to the Senate floor for debate, there will be some changes. Uh, the uh, amendment would insert language that would say that uh, this hotline would be for the Your Life Iowa uh, program or a successor program in case the name changes or it moves within the department to some other um, you know, under, under some other name. Uh, it's possible that uh, the amendment may contain um, another provision or two as well, but that would be a floor amendment. It has the support of Democratic Senator Claire Selsey, but she mentions previous proposals from this year. That includes a bill that is now a law requiring people to only use a school bathroom that aligns with their gender on their birth certificate. There have been a number of bills this year that have come through the Senate and the House that have significantly damaged um, the way that many of our young people feel about themselves, they, their place in life, their standing in their school. Um, you know, it's really shaken them, uh, particularly the bills uh, that have targeted transgender youth. Senator Selsey says legislators have a responsibility to care for different groups of children in any bill they advance. The actions that we take here have a ripple effect out into the state. And, you know, we can't keep creating situations like this and then expect a suicide prevention line to clean up, you know, the mess. It advances from the Education Committee and is available for debate in the Senate. If the Senate passes an amended version, it will have to return to the House to advance further. Ladies and gentlemen of the Senate, uh, this would be Senate File 315 is, I call it the Freedom Milk Bill. This bill would allow the sale of raw milk, which is not legal in Iowa. Raw milk does not go through the process of pasteurization. That's where it is heated to kill harmful microbes and bacteria. Advocates for raw milk claim there is more nutrition and has some health benefits, including helping with lactose intolerance. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration does not support raw milk sales and states it is dangerous in part due to its spoilage and potential of contamination from the milking process. Republican Senator Jason Schultz has advocated for legalization of raw milk in Iowa for many years, and in the past, the Senate has passed a bill that would do so. Senator Schultz says this bill limits the size of a raw milk farm production and distribution to meet a very small market. The raw milk producer is required to post a coliform and standard plate test at their their distribution point where the raw milk products are sold. The producer must retain these test records for a period of three years and shall cons- allow a consumer to review the testing records. Coliform is a form of bacteria that may include salmonella, which, if ingested by humans, leads to intestinal sickness. This bill does not allow raw milk to be sold or delivered to a customer where food is sold, which includes farmer's markets. The containers holding raw milk or raw milk dairy products shall have a label notifying consumers that the milk is not subject to state inspection or other public health regulations. That is our consumer warning. The Department of Health and Human Services or the local Board of Health may demand the producer provide all the animal testing records, but this demand must be based on a doctor's affidavit that somebody has been made ill. The bill passes in the Senate. The House of Representatives takes this bill up during a state government committee. I have a lot of concerns about this bill. Um, I'm an infectious disease physician, so I've seen a lot of the fallout of infections coming from raw milk. Democratic Representative Megan Srinivas is opposed to this bill for health reasons. There are 10 states that have wide open laws on raw milk practices. 
if we were to pass something in regards to raw milk, one of my concerns would be to pass something that is more stringent, follow something akin to the South Dakota protocols, where we're testing, having more sanitation practices in place to make sure that we don't have vulnerable populations that are falling victim and having public health crises. So this is a bill that opens up the doors far too broadly and has too many implications. The bill advances from the committee and is eligible for floor debate in the House. This is the Legislative Podcast under the Golden Dome from IPR News. I'm John Pimble. Senate File 494 ensures Iowa's HHS is using all available resources in protecting our vulnerable and needy populations on public assistance. The Iowa Department of Human Services administers federal supplemental nutrition assistance program benefits. It's often called SNAP. They also administer Medicaid assistance to Iowans. Republican Senator Jeff Edler is the floor manager for a bill that would disqualify individuals or families from receiving these benefits if they exceed a certain level of household income. It requires checking cross-state databases for dual enrollment asset verification and identity verification and authentication for all public assistance programs. This bill proposes the creation of dozens of new jobs within the Department of Human Services to verify Iowans' qualifications. Currently, the federal requirement for SNAP is at 130 percent, and Iowa's broad-based categorical eligibility for the Iowa HHS is set at 160 percent. So in this bill, we codify the SNAP eligibility at 160 percent to maintain that continuity of all of those systems. Those percentages Senator Edler is referring to is the federal poverty level. Presently, Iowans who are at 160 percent of the federal poverty level qualify for SNAP, but that's a policy from the Health and Human Services Division. This bill would make 160 percent the law. What does that mean in numbers? 160 percent of the federal poverty level for a single person means they make $23,328 or less in a year. For a family of four, 160 percent of the federal poverty level is $48,000 a year. States have choices about where they can set our eligibility for federal SNAP benefits. Democratic Senator Sarah Trone-Garriott proposes to raise Iowa's federal poverty level to something higher than 160 percent. And Iowa is in the bottom half of states, so 25 or so states are setting their levels higher than us, 180 percent of federal poverty, 200 percent of federal poverty, um, because a survival wage, just scraping by, having the basics that you need to live, no extras, is about 200% of federal poverty to 250% of federal poverty. For a single person, 250% of federal poverty is an income of $36,000 a year. For a family of four, it's $75,000. But with the proposed percentage of 160%, Senator Trone-Garriott says $48,000 a year isn't enough, especially if a family with Medicaid has a person with special medical needs. Even for an educated person with a master's degree, with family support in a metro area where helping services are available, this bill will make it even harder for families with kids with disabilities and rare diseases to apply for Medicaid. If a family of four has an income exceeding $48,000, this bill would not allow them to be eligible for benefits. Democratic Senator Janice Weiner says this does not make it conducive for families receiving benefits to increase their income for fear of losing benefits. The goal should be 
to get low-income families to save for future expenses that could be critical in helping them exit poverty. But rather than creating an off-ramp, this bill creates a snap cliff, a disincentive to take a raise or save money. This bill also requires a household inventory of some liquid assets. That includes a second car or a savings account. In most cases, if the value of these kinds of assets exceeds $15,000, a household would not be eligible for benefits. Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Much of the Democratic opposition to the bill comes from Senator Sarah Trone Garriott. She is also an ordained minister in the Evangelical Lutheran Church and begins to cite passages from the Bible. For any Christian in the room, Jesus' intent is pretty clear here. No Bible study needed. When the followers of Jesus want to say, these hungry people should take care of themselves, not my problem, not my responsibility, we don't have the resources, there's too many of them for us to help all of them, Jesus is unequivocal to his followers. You give them something to eat. Senator Trone Garriott is referencing Republican Senator Jason Schultz, who earlier in the day led the Senate's daily prayer. I think that the, uh, the generic will and character of Christ uh, was, was, was described, and yet out of context, so it can't be allowed to, to stand. Senator Schultz responds as he supports this bill. All throughout those de- descriptions, the couple of uh, quotes that I remember was, you feed them. That was not a command to government to take somebody else's money, create a program, employ people, and hand money out through that system. That's never been the example. It has been Christian charity that the Christian uses their own finances, their, their own production, and they grant it, they gift it, grant it willingly to the people in need who are legitimately in need according to the individual who is granting the fruits of their own labor. Senator Schultz begins making biblical references. The Apostle Paul on his missionary trips was a tent maker. He was capable of working so, as, as it put, and I just printed out real quick Google searches. This isn't hard to find, but I'll, I'll, just, I'll just rough around the edges here. But, but he said, we work day and night to support ourselves so that you, the local church, wouldn't have to support us. Because if you are able to work, even that is not charity. That's appropriation of somebody else's resources imposing on them while you stay and, and, uh, uh, and advocate the gospel. So he didn't even do that. He worked to pay his own way. He then wrote 2 Thessalonians, which is the fundamental, uh, fundamental basis for the Christian work ethic. And among those, among those words that he wrote, inspired by the Spirit, is, if a man does not work, neither shall he eat. This generates a response from Democratic Senator Bill Dotzler. His statement that uh, the man that doesn't work shall not eat shows his complete lack of understanding of the number of people who are working in this state that don't make enough money to feed their families and qualify for SNAP. They're not sitting at home on their butt. They're working. The bill passes in the Senate on party lines. The same Senate bill comes before a House Appropriations Committee with Republican Representative Joel Fry. This bill has 12 sections. It has really three or four key areas. One is it requires real-time eligibility systems to be in place for verification 
requires assets to be reviewed prior to the enrollment of SNAP with reasonable allowances. It codifies the Iowa current SNAP income threshold levels and requires cooperation with child support services as a condition for eligibility with Medicaid. The 11th section requires someone to be up to date with their child support and requires the Department of Health and Human Services to make rules to administer this provision. For the aspects that confirm income eligibility, the state will have to create at least 200 full-time positions. That will increase the state's administrative spending to around $7 million a year as this program is phased in over the next two years. Eventually, it is projected to save the state around $8 million annually once it's fully implemented. Often, uh, any type of reform is maybe done under the guise of efficiency or fraud. Democratic Representative Ross Wilburn says the instances of fraud with these programs in the state of Iowa is low, and this kind of extensive verification system is not necessary. Any fraud, potential fraud related to welfare has been dealt with in the past, and you're dealing with uh, small numbers. And in particular, my concern is, um, you know, welfare reform, that the net effect is reform on the backs of feeding our children. Democratic Representative Beth Wessel-Croshell says this will likely reduce the number of eligible Iowans receiving benefits, in part because the process will become cumbersome. Whether it's your intention to kick people off or not, this bill creates administrative hurdles to knock children and families off of food assistance. So I'll repeat, if it is not your goal to knock families and children off of the federally funded food assistance program, then vote against this bill. Democratic Representative Sammy Sheets says he is surprised that Republicans who often blame national Democrats for high inflation are proposing this bill. You know, I've heard over the past couple of years during the campaign about the majority party talking about the 40-year high prices that we're facing, and it's real. Working Iowans are facing the highest prices they've seen in 40 years. And to have legislation that would kick working people when they're down, which is what this Senate file will do. It's the wrong time to to have this conversation. We should never be having this conversation. We should especially not be having it um, at a time when people are facing as many crises and challenges as working people in Iowa are today. Because this bill is presented to the committee on the last day that has a legislative deadline for most bills to advance from both a Senate and House committee, Republicans do not speak in favor during this meeting. But before this bill potentially comes before the House chamber, Democratic Representative Timmy Brown Powers says the public may have a chance to formally weigh in. We are calling for a hearing just because we have some concerns with the unintended consequences of this legislation coming over from the Senate. Representative Brown Powers says some aspects of this bill, like overhauling the computer systems for the Department of Health and Human Services, is something she supports. I 110% support the new data system and getting online so that we are talking to each other and those um, services are making sure we all know what the right and the left hand are doing. I understand that. And so if I could strike part of this bill, that would be ideal for me. Um, and we would just run uh, and support and finance that whole data system. In the past few years, similar proposals have passed in the Senate, but stalled in the House. But with this House committee advancing this Senate bill, it is eligible for debate. And if this committee's action is any indication, there is forward momentum for this bill's passage. This is the weekly legislative podcast 
under the Golden Dome. There are many other proposals passing and some are being signed into law. Iowa Public Radio reporters Katerina Sostarik and Grant Gerlock are writing about this and you can read their stories at iowapublicradio.org. Script editor for this episode is IPR News Director Michael Leland. A variety of podcasts are available from our website, like the daily news show Here First, a planting show called Garden Variety, and our talk shows are also available as a podcast. I'm John Pimble. Under the Golden Dome is a production of Iowa Public Radio.